Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got $5. This is a run to the left. You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The bats, relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Flex podcast presented by Prize Picks. I'm your host, Samantha Praviti. Every Tuesday here in this podcast, I will be joined by a luminary from the fantasy football community for a fast-paced round of 21 questions where we will discuss all things fantasy for the NFL season and so much more. On today's episode, I am joined by the one and only Nando Dofino, managing editor for fantasy and sports betting at The Athletic, who can you can find on Twitter at Nando Dofino. Welcome to the Fantasy Flex, man. How was your week four? Uh, it's, uh, historic, historical. <laughs> it's felt like all the pieces finally came together. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a rough few weeks, but all of a sudden everything's coming up daisies. It's great. Damn, I had the complete opposite like experience. Week four was just the absolute worst for me. So I feel like I lost every single league. <laughs> like it was just that kind of week. I was looking at my scores. I was driving for the first half of the games and I got home. I'm like, it's, you know, I was listening to the Sirius channel. And I'm like, I think I did okay. And then it was just like, I've super flexed like Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones in every league, you know, like mm-hmm. stuff like that. Everything was just like, oh, this, uh, this worked out well today. Yeah. Uh, one league that I definitely should have won. I, well, first of all, this is kind of my bad, but I was, I'm in so many leagues and I'm working on Sundays. So I was a little distracted. I did not realize that Robbie Gold was hurt. So I left oh. Robbie Gold in my lineup. My bad. Um, but also you have Jake, you should put Jake on the show and go over the no kickers thing. <laughs> Please. I wish that there were no kickers in this league. I hate kickers. Um, and then, yeah. And then I have Matt Stafford who was disappointing. Um, and then another league I have Julio and uh, CMC. So kind of working a little bit shorthanded right now. That's unfortunate. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the CMC people, a little bit unfortunate. Um, I had Chuba in, in my Scott Fishbowl league, but he didn't do too, too, too much. So I guess a little disappointing, but you know, we will, we will bounce back for sure. Um, cool. Well, let us just hop right into the questions. All Question right. one is what year did you start playing fantasy and did you win your first league? Oh man. It was, I think it was, not, it was fantasy basketball league. 
Mm. And we started it uh, like our, our team had made like the semifinals in like Cohocton, New York, driving there from Syracuse, like two hours. So we just all got together and drafted teams on the bus. I think the season already started anyway. Um, I didn't win it because we didn't finish the league. Like after like two weeks, it was still hand scoring back. It was like 1994. Um, and we we're like, no, yeah, no, no more of this. We just ended the league and gave everyone their money back, the $10 back. That is really funny. That, yeah. I mean, that sounds cool. Like I don't have any cool stories like that. So I. Well, you're young. You're young, Samantha. <laughs> No, it's more that I just like didn't get into football or fantasy until somewhat recently. So I think it is really cool if you have those memories, especially if you have like memories of doing things like drafts together. I've actually really never done a live draft. So I feel like I'm missing out. It's the best. It really is the best. (laughs) I am very jealous. What are the best and worst parts about playing fantasy football for you? Uh, well, the best parts of the live drafts. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, uh, I don't know. I think the, the, the worst parts, I mean, I'm sure you get this a lot too. You just feel like you got to answer every single question and sometimes you can't. And there's that guilt that goes along with it. I guess that's kind of specific to luminaries like us. Uh, I'd say though, the, the worst part has got to be just like, like that Thursday, Friday, going to your waiver wire, not picking someone up and then not realizing you didn't do that until Sunday and scrambling for someone. Mm-hmm. I hate that. That's just really like, I hate that. I don't know why. It's my least favorite part of the game. <laughs> yeah, the 12 to 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern time hour is probably like the most stressful hour for all of us, I think. So I think that is probably the worst, um, at least that. And then for me, like having so many teams and not really knowing who to root for at any given time, because like my main my brain can't really do all that like mental gymnastics. So I'm like, I think I need Kenny Galladay to do well, but I also need like Daniel Jones to not do well. <laughs> kind of it's the curse. Yeah. It's the Definitely curse of 13 curse. teams, you know? <laughs> Definitely a curse. How many leagues are you in, by the way? I think I'm in 12. Okay. That's a lot. All right. How about you? <laughs> I think I'm in eight. So, right. amateur. I know, yeah, I know, totally amateur and I'm already overwhelmed by it. So, all right, <laughs> jumping into the actual football stuff, we are kicking it off with a quick segment called the burn book, which is of course the mean girls reference. I know we don't have to tell you that, but no. as managers, it is so easy to have recency bias, especially if a player has burned us either due to injury or a bad week. So we are going to run through five players and I'd like you to briefly tell us how confident you are in that player moving forward or if they are in your Burn book. Um, okay. The first player is Ryan Tannehill. He has finished as QB 24, QB 24, QB 8, and then will finish this week somewhere in the high, B, high QB 2 range. On one hand, he was missing AJ Brown and Julio Jones, but on the other hand, he was playing the Jets. Are we putting Tannehill in our burn book for fantasy? Not quite. I mean, maybe like I'm, I'm like ready to, like the pencils <laughs> hovering over, just because the whole, that weird Arthur Smith is gone thing. It's so like, you know, it's not like the, the Falcons are amazing. So it's like, yeah, oh, I was just going to say genius. he's ruining the Falcons. So. Yeah, that's, that's the weird, it's the weirdest thing to me, but he's also kind of him leaving Tennessee has kind of messed up Tennessee pretty bad. I don't know. I do like the fact that he's getting like 10% bonus yards from finally throwing to Derrick Henry. Um, and he, I, I love like Nick Westbrook, Akeem. Like I, I just like their depth. Um, Chester Rogers, I got on some teams. So yeah, I'm not putting him in there yet. I never loved Tannehill, but I, I kind of like what he's been doing the last few years and kind of resigned myself to it. So he's not there yet. I kind of yeah. like him-ish. Like next week, are you putting Sam Darnold over Ryan Tannehill in your ranking? Oh, Sam Darnold, I'm starting over like everybody. Uh, but you're talking like the world's biggest Sam Darnold fan. 
I so, love it. I love it. Yeah. We have a Sam Darnold question coming up, so I will save that for then. Um, the answer is yes. <laughs> all right. So he's being penciled in. Um, the next guy we were talking about is Miles Gaskin. Two carries for three yards in week four just is not going to cut it with the way he's being incorporated with Malcolm Brown and Salvan Ahmed, both seeing carries. Is Gaskin going in your bird book? I mean, he was a guy drafted in like that late RB2 or early RB3 range. So it's uh, it's tough. Is he going in people's burn books this week? He's going to mine. I, uh, <laughs> well, look, this isn't the Chan Gailey offense anymore. And I think maybe we undersold like new offensive coordinators looking back on ADP and, and stuff we may have ignored. Um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, this like this new Miami regime does not seem to like Miles Gaskin very much if you look at his game log. Um, and like Malcolm Brown burned a lot of us um, last year. I think when we were banking on Darrell Henderson, having like this big game for the Rams, like week, I can't remember four is against the giants. And like, Oh, well, Malcolm Brown on that blocks. Rams backfield at any given no. time. <laughs> and he's just broke, come right over to Miami and start to do the same thing. So I don't know, like if this is two and not being there and they needed a better blocker or whatever, but uh, I don't think so. I think it was just miles Gaskin just isn't part of this game plan with this new group of coaches. It's super frustrating. I thought I got a good value on him super late in Scott Fish. I had him in like Mike Davis. I went hero RB or whatever. So I didn't get like another running back for like eight rounds. <laughs> and I mean, they fell to me for sure. But now it's just been disappointing, especially since CFC is hurt. So <laughs> yeah, right. that, that team, I'm like ready to put on the ice flow. But um, uh, all right. The next guy we are going to talk about is Juju Smith Schuster. So I want to give. I want to just preface this by saying I don't think that this is necessarily his fault. Certainly don't think it's his TikTok dancing's fault, but he has not impressed all season or scored a touchdown. Would you say that Deontay Johnson is the only playable wide receiver in this offense or in does Juju belong in the burn book? I think, um, again, new offensive coordinator, uh, <laughs> but it's Juju Smith-Schuster's strengths last year. I think we're catching the short passes and turn around and taking it. Um, and assuming that he's healthy now, like this is perfect for a Ben Roethlisberger who can't throw, you know what I mean? Like he should like what Najee Harris has been getting, like maybe three of those targets should have been going to Juju Smith Schuster every game. Um, so I actually kind of see an upside to him. If they just kind of like tinker a little bit, like the giants started playing Kadarius Tony out of nowhere, which is great. So you, people can change. So I do think like the Steelers maybe should be like, Hey, why don't we just like some more short, some more slants to Juju Smith Schuster and let him take it to the house. His knee should be fine now. Um, so I, no, I actually, I'm kind of buying him where I can, I'm going to wait and see if people get angry and drop him and, uh, and try and scoop him up on Thursday. Yeah, I was a little bit, I mean, I was waffling over a start decision, which obviously didn't go super well this week because I did start him thinking the exact same process that like, well, Ben's struggling. He has no vertical game right now. So (laughs) it's got to go to some, someone, but, uh, yeah, a little bit disappointing. Um, but I do think better days are ahead for him. The next guy is another receiver who has been disappointing. It was another quiet day for Brandon Ayuk, who caught one pass for 15 yards, really hasn't done anything except cashing a touchdown in week three with Debo Samuel playing as well as he has been. Is Ayuk totally in your burn book? Yeah, a little bit. I would say like if if Juju Smith-Schuster shows up on the waiver wire and I have Ayuk, I would drop Ayuk for him. Mm. I don't know if that's like an obvious take or anything, but that's kind of where I have him in the pecking order of, of stuff. I think it's one of those difficult things because people did draft him pretty high in terms of like draft capital. Like they probably used like a 
he was probably drafted in that late wide receiver two range. So you're like less apt to draft, to draft a guy like that versus like someone else who's putting the same production up. So I think there is definitely a bias if you drafted him, but it might be time. It's probably time to move. You got to do it. That's a fantasy baseball mentality. Like he's going to turn it around. Like fantasy football, (laughs) you just got to be ruthless and get rid of him. That's it. They're like a third of the way through the season already, basically for the regular season. Crazy. Yeah. So crazy. Um, I know. It is my first season doing this full time or kind of sort of doing it full time before just not You're writing like three columns a week for the post. What do you mean? That's like um, full time. I wrote 12 to 14 articles a week for the post unpaid. So um, things well, happen. You did, you did get paid, just not for that. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so I was basically doing another job, but it's, it's obviously, it was a great opportunity. I didn't have any writing experience before that. So it was really cool to get your first bylines on the New York post. Um, right. Did you go out and buy like the copy? Like I, like I remember my first byline, I like ran to the store. I'm like, I'll take seven of these, please. Yeah. None of the fantasy stuff made it into the, the paper copy, oh. but um, there I were respect. definitely stories like the um, maskless QB, in um strip club in topless club that said play on words because there was a famous post article that was like headless body in topless bar <laughs> um so like that one i literally was like to my parents like you have to go get a copy <laughs> <laughs> they definitely like who are like who's dwayne haskins like <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't worry about it. Um, for a while, I was writing like only about Aaron Rodgers and like Aaron Rodgers and the Jordan Love dynamic. And yeah, it's just really funny because my parents were like, we have no idea who that is, but we're really proud of you. And we cut it out for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, adorable Italian parents. Very, very adorable ter- Italian yeah, they parents. Yeah, they framed it. I got one that's for, like my first one is framed in my basement. I'm like, mom, like, this is I think weird. it is free. They like they bought every single copy when I told them I was going to be in like the paper. So nice. one awesome. of the night editors would just send me the PDF beforehand. Like he was, he knew like it meant a lot to me. So I could tell my parents. Oh, <laughs> so oh. lame. I know. I know. Um, all right. The final guy in the burn book category um, is Kyle Pitts. Big yikes. I don't know where you stood on Pitts. It seemed to be a very wide spectrum of sort of opinions. This preseason, he was going as high as tight end four and drafts hasn't finished higher than tight end nine this year. Were we totally wrong about Pitts as this generational talent who could make an impact out of the gate? Or is this more of a a reflection of the Falcons or does it just not matter? And he just belongs there in burn book regardless. I think he's going to be someone who turns it on. I really, I well, so I was an Evan Ingram guy, like, like all through like July and June and, then he got hurt. And so he, like, I'm like, I can't take him because he's not going to play the first few weeks. So who do I turn to now? And Kyle Pitts would show up like just at the right time, you know, just like when I had like a couple running backs, a couple wide receivers, I wasn't ready for quarterback yet. And here's like Kyle Pitts when there's not like a great wide receiver running back. I really want it. Um, so I got him in a lot of leagues. So I really have no choice but to believe at the moment. Um, I, I guess I should have gone earlier with Darren Waller and like let things shake out that way. But yeah, like that's, I have no choice but to like him, Samantha. I'm sorry. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair very enough. Close. That's a very close question. I personally obviously like him and least became part of my brand that I really liked him. And I certainly did like him a lot, even before drafts were coming, but then it, it seems like I was never really getting him because I was not reaching for him in the third round or whatever. I did get him in Scott fish, which I'm telling you, this team is just now so awful. It was like CMC and 
I had I did take Matt Ryan too, which is another whole thing. Yeah, but Scott uh, Fish is like, like you got weird rules and you're playing against thousands of people. Like you gotta yeah. you gotta make it like you gotta be first or last. You know, you can't I be took, like fifth. Exactly. So I took Pitts um 401 and it's tight end premium. So I didn't feel too too bad about that. But at the time people were lambasting me because I was like live tweeting the draft results. <laughs> and yeah, I mean it's like it's Twitter. Of course, people are just gonna lambast you for whatever. Yeah. You're like Christian McCaffrey is like rb1 and people are like no Dalvin cook what's wrong with you <laughs> girl who plays fantasy exactly yeah, yeah. so I, I know you know the struggle on twitter more than anyone else um i, just, I stopped tweeting i just <laughs> stuff that our other guys write about i'm fine now i'm, I'm living the happy life <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um i mean i took this hiatus from twitter for a little bit and it was like the happiest i've been for a while so that probably speaks to a number of things but that will do it for the burn book Next up here on the Fantasy Flex is a segment we call Elite Entries, where I am going to dive into the Prize Picks app to build some entries. And for any listeners unfamiliar with Prize Picks, it's just a super small way to play DFS. I'm going to identify some markets I like, you build your own Prize Picks entries, and all of us have a little fun and make some money. So today, I am going to look at three NFL Week 5 quarterback plays on Prize Picks. The first play that I like is Kirk Cousins over 274 and a half passing yards at home versus the Lions. The Lions, first of all, are just a great bounce back team. I mean, we just saw Justin Fields pretty much go off as much as Justin Fields can against a team. But yeah, Cousins is coming off of an off game in week four after starting the season pretty strong. He threw for just 203 yards, one touchdown, one interception, but that was against a very, very tough Browns defense that has allowed the third fewest passing yards per game this year. That's behind only the Bills and the Panthers who have been fantastic against the pass. Like I said, I think this is a great bounce back spot for Coven Cousins against the Lions. Um, they have allowed the fourth most points per game to opposing offenses. So should be a fun one to watch. I like Kirk Cousins to go over 274 and a half passing yards. The next one that I like is Ben Roethlisberger under 245 and a half passing yards at home versus the Broncos. Roethlisberger has just looked washed all season, and I don't think that's a hot take. Um, he has now led the Steelers to consecutive losses. Like, let's keep in mind that one of those was against um, the Bengals, too. Um, he passed for 232 yards this past week with one touchdown and one interception and has a QBR of 36.9 all season. It's been definitely pretty brutal. It seems like he has no vertical game. The whole offense is just looking not super, super great other than like slant routes to Najee Harris. The entire receiving court is banged up like Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson ended up playing this game, but they were on the injury report all week. Chase Claypool was out. This week, he gets the Broncos, who are giving up just 12.3 total points per game. Yeah, one of those games is against the Jets. They had a pretty easy start to the season, but it's just not an easy matchup against Denver's pass rush, and there's a good chance that Ben is shorthanded again, so I like him to go under the 245 and a half. I also like Taylor Heineke to go over 266 and a half passing yards at home versus the Saints. Since taking over for an injured Ryan Fitzpatrick 
Tyreek Heineke has thrown for 336 yards, 212 yards, and 290 yards. So his one lackluster game came against Buffalo, who we just mentioned their pass defense ranks near the top of the NFL. It isn't always the prettiest, but with Washington's defense playing surprisingly poorly, uh, Heineke has been able to put up major fantasy production. On a side note, it's just very interesting. Like, this is not how I expected this team to shake out. I thought that Washington would have one of the best, if not the best, defenses in the NFL. They've 